MailChimp presents. I think there's a difference between regret and resent. Because I'm so vocal and because I know what my boundaries are as a mom, because I'm allowed to have boundaries in a relationship with my child, that keeps me from being in situations where I'm being resentful of her versus just regretting the circumstances. So I was definitely one of those people who downloaded TikTok during the pandemic out of boredom and almost instantly became obsessed with the app. Not long after that, I came across Jessica Rose on my For You page and heard her openly talking about an issue I had only ever heard discussed in whispers, regretting parenthood. She started out blogging her thoughts and fears about motherhood after having her daughter Nyla when she was in her early 20s. These days, Jessica has over 400,000 followers on TikTok, where she posts funny skits and perspectives on motherhood, some pretty genius song parodies, and a few guest appearances from Nyla herself. I was immediately drawn to her content because of how hilarious, honest, and insightful she is. Like, just listen to her. I quite literally said, I do not regret my kid. I regret the role. I ain't feeling sad just because you someone's baby mama. Just believe me that I've been there and I understand it sucks. Instead of being mad that your kids is talking to you crazy, call they daddy, let them know it's time to pick their children up. Wonder what I'll post tomorrow that the internet will be mad at. Get up off my page if you ain't liking what you see, boo. Motherhood is hard and I regret it in a dog too. I'm Ashley C. Ford, and this is Going Through It, a show about important moments in people's lives and how they navigate them. This season, we're asking how people decide whether or not to become parents. In this episode, I'm talking to online creator Jessica Rose about when being a parent isn't quite a dream come true. I am a full-time content creator. I make mamas laugh and baby daddies punch the air. Um, another thing I like to say is that I diss my baby daddy for a living. <laughs> I love it. I found you scrolling through my For You page on TikTok one day, and I was really interested in your content because so much of it focuses on this idea of regretting becoming a mother, but not regretting your daughter herself which is a conversation we don't have enough because it makes people uncomfortable. Why do you think that is? And why did you start talking about it online? So I think one of the reasons that the word regret makes people so standoffish is everyone loves to say that they have no regrets in life, as if it's some kind of an accomplishment to not want to have done anything differently. I can still very much have like a, a love and a value for my life, my child, and just like my existence while simultaneously believing that if I could do things differently, that I would. And one of those things definitely is motherhood. I love my daughter. I do the best that I can to be the best mother to her. But it is incredibly difficult to be responsible for the way that another human being turns out to teach them things. And it's like, wow, I have to teach another person how to function. That's some wild shit. And the more that I got online and told jokes about things like that, the larger the response 
just continued to grow from other women who on a daily basis tell me you say the things and make content about the things that I feel like I'm thinking but can't say out loud. Growing up, did you think about having kids? Was that something that was on your mind? It wasn't on my mind at all. That's really where my business name came from. My brand initially started as a blog called She Really Had a Baby. The reason that I named it that was because I presumed it would be what people would say upon realizing that I was pregnant Mm. or had a child. She really had a baby. Jessica, the person that (laughs) definitely should not have a child. I had a very promiscuous, wild, honestly, lots of drug usage like early on in my life. In a lot of ways, do I regret my daughter? Yes, but I can still simultaneously say that I feel like she saved my life in a lot of ways because Mm. she forced me to care about the direction in which my life was going. But I never thought about it before. I literally got pregnant because it was my first time with like a 26-inch weave and I had Hennessy. Like <laughs> that was literally why Those I had were a baby. all the ingredients you need. Those were the ingredients. My first ever weave. <laughs> I also had lashes on. Oh, so it was a done deal. I felt like when I did get pregnant though, there was concern, but it was also kind of like, oh, okay, like I can do this. I don't Mm -hmm. think that I understood in any way how difficult it was going to be because I was so passive about, okay, well, I'll figure it out. And there's so much more to it. There's so much more to even who you're having a child with that I never understood and I never was taught, right? So me and my baby daddy, we have very fundamental differences that I was not even paying attention to probably until the past couple of years where the things that we're working on instilling in her are complete opposites. For lack of a better word, my baby daddy is a hotep. Uh. And I'm like basically a liberal bisexual. It's not <laughs> it's not meshing very well. Right. Luckily, as far as I'm concerned for morals, I'm the primary parent. So she gets more time with me and her dad loves her very much, but I never would have thought to have a conversation about religion or my lack thereof with someone before, you know, bringing life into the world with them. So I wasn't thinking about it very much. But I also think that has a lot to do with my own personal background and being in a household with a single mom who had three kids and not knowing much about anything, really. Not really having time for anything about life, finance, relationships to be instilled into me. Let me ask you this. What preconceived ideas of motherhood did you carry with you when you had your daughter? When I first had my daughter, I remember holding this like disposition of, I don't know what an example of what I would like to mother looks like. So Mm -hmm. I went in with this idea that I'm going to do everything the opposite of my mom and I'm going to be better than my mom. So growing up, my mom was a single mom of three. I have two younger brothers. And after working a long day at work, she would pick us up from school or from my grandmother, wherever we were at. And I remember her pulling into 7-Eleven to get her carton of cigarettes and instructing us to get out the car and pick which Lunchable we wanted for dinner. 
And the older I got, the more annoyed I got with her doing this because I just kind of felt entitled in a way. Like, girl, I am too big for a Lunchable for dinner. And I think that with me already feeling that she was sometimes disconnected from her role as a mother, it made me feel like she wasn't living up to this role of a good mother, cooking dinner and making it all work, even though she was doing it by herself. She was supposed to go to work and then somehow have a hot, full cooked meal. And I just remember feeling so bitter about it. And I had this full circle moment after a long day of work for me with my daughter. We were walking around the store and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do for dinner and seeing Lunchables and just kind of being like, hey, which one of these Lunchables do you want for dinner? And it was such a full circle moment because as she picked it out and put it in the cart, she's younger and, you know, she hasn't quite got to the stage where she's consistently complaining about my parenting, but it still reminded me of those interactions that I would have with my mom about it. So I took a picture and I sent it to my mom and I said, guess what Nyla is having for dinner? And she laughed. It was just so full circle to just have that moment of relatability and like another moment where I could give my mother the grace that I couldn't give her when I didn't understand and I thought everything was about me when it was more about like her capacity for what she could and couldn't do for me. There's so many of those full circle moments that I know have nothing to do with how I love and care about my child, but just my actual capacity on a daily basis to take care of another person. It's just I have my things, right? Right. So what are your things? So I will hug and kiss and love on my daughter all day. She's actually the opposite. Mm -hmm. And so I'll hug and I'll kiss her all day. But one thing that I can tell is her love language is she wants me to play. And there's a part of me that's always in make money survival mode that is very hard for me to check into imagination. Right. So that is something I struggle with. I'm not a mom that plays. We can read books together. We can watch TV together. We can like go do activities together. But girl, I'm not playing Barbies. Right. Like, I just, I really feel like I can't do it. And I think there's a difference between regret and resent. Yes. Because I'm so vocal and because I know what my boundaries are as a mom, because I'm allowed to have boundaries in a relationship with my child, that keeps me from being in situations where I'm being resentful of her versus just regretting the circumstances. And even in my regret, I acknowledge that had I not had my child, I could very well just be a hot mess. I built an entire business and a brand around being a mother. My child grounded me in a way that made me care more about things, but it kind of sucks to care more about things. (laughs) You know? Yes. How would you describe your relationship to motherhood when you first became a mother versus how it is now? Pregnancy for me was just immediately everything started going downhill (laughs) from Mm. the pregnancy. I was working in caregiving, so I got to a certain state of pregnancy where I could no longer lift elderly people. Mm -hmm. So I was out of work. So I had to make the decision to leave my job, leave my apartment, move in with my mother. 
And then the emotional withdrawal of not being close with people anymore, not going out and drinking. And I used to smoke a pack of cigarettes a day. So I was also withdrawing from nicotine. I could not just go smoke a cigarette every time I was stressed out. So there were a lot of different decisions that I was having to make that I was like, wow, it feels like everything felt like an immediate sacrifice. Yeah. Everything is already about this human being that's growing inside of me right now. And I was still so excited to meet her and have her, but I was just like, this, this is ghetto. (laughs) (laughs) Not what I signed up for. And I think that the older that my daughter's got and the easier that it's also been to have conversations with her about certain things, I've started freeing myself of those shackles. And a lot of it has to do with recognizing if I don't, resentment is going to sit there instead of just Mm. acknowledging that I still want to and get to be my own person. For instance, we have certain days where we can watch movies together when we eat. And there are other days where we're going to eat separately because I want to enjoy my food watching my own show. And not being afraid to like say these things instead of being mad sitting through Moana on a night that I want to be watching Married at First Sight. I wish I had gotten an example like that from my mother of what it looks like to take time for yourself, not in anger, but in like, this is what I need. And that's what the difference is. I feel like my mother did that, but she was completely shut down. Mm -hmm. So when I think about my mother in my childhood— She's very supportive now. We have a better relationship as I'm an adult and with her being a grandmother. But when I think about my mother in my childhood, I think about someone that slept all day, locked themselves in their room, and chain-smoked cigarettes and drunk Pepsi all day and literally wanted nothing to do with us. And I have much more of a better understanding now about why she did the things that she did, how hard she was working. She also had three kids, like, girl— And we were annoying, okay? (laughs) Same. So instead of being my mom who would sit us at the table and then go in her room and close the door and eat, I'm the mom that says, okay, for two nights, we're going to set aside this time for us to eat together. And other times, I'm going to do this by myself. But I'm communicating why. I'm saying, hey, today was crazy. And me and you have done a lot already, girl. So can I just eat by myself. She's like, yeah, sure. Can I have a piece of chocolate? Sure. Mm. (laughs) We'll be right back. On Going Through It, our guests talk about the passions and decisions that impact them most. You can find similar stories on MailChimp's Bloom Season, a digital resource offering actionable insights for small business success. Throughout these episodes, I'll be introducing you to a few of the entrepreneurs featured in Bloom Season. It was just an idea, like a side project. It was never supposed to be a business. Meet Geffen Skolnick the CEO and founder of Couplet Coffee, making specialty coffee more fun, approachable, and accessible for customers. She pretty much grew up loving it. Coffee was a very communal thing at home, and it really brought, you know, my family and their friends together. 
I always kind of wanted to make little experimental drinks and little potions at home, I would call them as a kid. After graduating from college in 2020, Geffen decided to turn her childhood passion for coffee into a creative outlet. But pretty soon, it became clear that it was rapidly evolving into a small business. Geffen had a lot of questions about the process, and so she turned to Twitter. I actually was really just asking questions. Hey guys, how do you do this? Like, oh, How do you do fulfillment? How do you source things? How do you get packaging? Where do you get your packaging from? It was a very overwhelming time at the beginning stages of the company. It took a hot second for me to like really marinate and understand this is a bigger operation than a side project. Couplet Coffee has grown a lot since then. She's also been able to share what she's learned to help other small business owners follow their passions. There's a lot of really basic information about how to fundraise for your business out there, but it was really repetitive. And not only was it repetitive, it didn't have context. So that's why I kind of really tried to lay it out, talking about my journey in the early days of fundraising for my company and how I did it and made sure that people understood the context of who I am and where I come from. I'm a queer person, I'm an immigrant and whatever. At the end of the day, I'm a white girl from LA who went to UCLA. So two things can coexist. So I just didn't want people to feel not encouraged to try something because society told them you have to look a certain way or just the straight up statistics of who gets funded. Geffen turned her interest in making specialty drinks for family and friends into a thriving business, all while maintaining a commitment to bypassing the gatekeepers of the industry. It started off as like, oh, this is a cool communal thing. Then it is literally an art form to me. And now it gets to be both at the same time with my own brand. Learn more about Geffen Skolnick and other entrepreneurs at MailChimp.com slash BloomSeason. And now... Back to the episode. Why do so many people think that they're just going to, like, get pregnant, push the kid out, and everything else will just, like, come to them? Like, there's some download that happens when you're a parent that all of a sudden you know exactly what to do and, and how to do it right and how to do it well. Why do you think we view parenthood so differently from any other type of job where you would need to train, where you might need some onboarding or some skill? I don't even think it's that we view parenthood that way. I think we view motherhood that way. We have a grace so much with men and fathers as far as why they couldn't show up and why they weren't ready. But with women, I mean, it's really the patriarchy that associates it as this innate thing that is in women to be these nurturing, loving, selfless Mm -hmm. human beings, not just for children, but for men, Mm -hmm. for whoever it is that they're in partnership with. So I think men are let off the hook about a lot of things when it comes to how they show up in relationships, how they show up in fatherhood. And women are expected to be a certain type of way. And then when they're not, instead of listing the reasons why, it becomes a shameful experience. I see you putting so many of these ideas in your videos, and I feel like they are so spot on. But I also know this is the internet. And I have to imagine there are a lot of people who do not like the way you talk about motherhood. 
the way that I feel like the internet responds sometimes to the things that I say and I do, you would think that I wake up every day and look at my kid and I say, I just wish I'd never had your ass. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. The problem or the fallacy with that, and I think that that's why it's not something that you seem worried or concerned about, is that your daughter actually knows you. <laughs> she has these conversations with you every day. There's no version of her getting older and seeing some video and going, oh, I didn't know my mom had that kind of frustration. Or because I see this video, it changes the reality of my relationship with my mom and how we are with each other in real life. Yep. And my brand is a very personal brand, but at the same time, I make a full-time living on the internet. I am very well-versed in marketing, timing, content creation, and everything that you see on the internet is not real. And my daughter understands that a lot more than the people that follow me do. My daughter sees me put on a fake mustache and a chain and do certain things. And my daughter has also been in content where people have been upset with things, where we rehearsed what we were saying multiple times because she understands that it was a skit, but that people are going to interpret it as real. And it's necessary for them to do that because it'll get more views and it'll pay our rent on Facebook. So I don't really give a damn. Right. <laughs> right. But all I know is on Monday at 10 a.m., my daughter is going into her therapy appointment because I have the privilege and the luxury of providing her with that. You know what right. I'm saying? And it's like, yes. when when I see that things are not working and I see that things are impacting her, we stop. There was a point in time last year that she didn't want to do content anymore. And she wasn't in any of them. And I sure was hiring other kids to come act like they was Nyla. It was hilarious, actually, because people that followed me were like, who the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> but she has options. I'm teaching right. her. It's a business. We did a video yesterday. I was like, hey. You know, you want to do a video of me? She's like, $20. I was like, all right. <laughs> Here goes $20, right? Like, I want everything to be willingly. And I'm creating a space for so many other women to feel freed in that. Like, there right. are people that follow me that have changed the way that they parent because of the way that I've shared myself. So there's definitely more pros than there are cons. And we'll shift and adjust as necessary. I just want to play the sound from one video to show a little bit of how Nyla shows up in your content. I already miss you. You haven't even got off the car and I already miss you. It's okay. I'll be back. I know. I just... How do I already miss you? Maybe I don't have to go to Grandma's. Huh? Maybe I don't have to go to Grandma's. What? Great, you can get up out of here. <laughs> it's okay. My mommy's gonna be fine. <laughs> I think what you're doing is giving people a real life example of what it looks like to not just be vulnerable and honest about the hard thing, but then to live your life in such a way that like you are actually able to address it. Like you're actually able to address the parts of motherhood 
that are especially hard for you, even if you can't make them go away, you can't dismiss them, you can't fix them. Being able to talk about it is part of the process. And you've created this place where people not only can talk about it, but where a lot of people figure out that they're allowed to talk about it. And I think that that's its own brilliant thing in one way or another. And I have loved following you as I'm figuring out what I want to do. Don't do it. You said don't do it. (laughs) Jessica Rose, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for this conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's pretty refreshing to hear a parent share feelings of regret. It's a tough job. And honestly, I think it makes everybody a little more free to know that these feelings are more common than we might assume. And even more than that, they're okay. Feelings of regret don't make you a bad person, and they don't make you a bad parent either. Jessica Rose knows this, and I'm so grateful that she's talking about it. If you get the chance, check out her TikTok page at This Is Jessica Rose and see for yourself. Going Through It is a production of Pineapple Street Studios and MailChimp. Our producer is Emerald O'Brien. Our associate producers are Marina Hankey and Yinka Rickford Angwin. Our managing producer is Camila Kashani. The show is edited by Aaron Edwards. Mixing by Davy Sumner. Original music by Mike Noyce and Davy Sumner with additional music from Epidemic Sound. Mara Davis is our booker. We had help from Stephen Key, Jason Richards, and Ari Saperstein. Legal services for Pineapple Street by Bianca Grimshaw at Granderson Desrochers. Our executive producer is J.N. Berry. Our production partners at MailChimp Studios are Julie Douglas, Sasha Brown, Christina Humphrey, and Caroline Albro. And a special thanks to my better half, without whom none of this would be possible. My assistant, Ariane Young. And thank you for listening. We know the range of experiences around this decision is so broad. And while we can't cover every story, we're grateful that we could bring you a few of them. So you want to craft an email marketing strategy, but you're not exactly sure where to start. Why not take a cue from Pack Up and Go? It's a surprise travel company that reveals their clients' destinations on the morning of their trips. The folks at Pack Up and Go designed a marketing plan that would both answer customer questions while also building their brand. Here's how they did it. Pack Up and Go started by using their customer-generated content to show off all these amazing trips that they offer building a loyal community of fans in the process. And then they used MailChimp's segmentation capabilities and email automations to send targeted messages that reached relevant audiences, like an automated campaign to new customers, reminding them to purchase PackUp&Go's travel insurance. With MailChimp's help, the marketing team at PackUp&Go has created a plan that works for them. Start crafting your email marketing strategy today at MailChimp.com.